You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Welcome back to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. I'm Frank Gill up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I'm here with my friend Jeff, who almost got our live show put down because he put copyright music. Jeff Simpson, how you doing? Listen, don't be mad that I rickrolled you, bro. <laughs> Uh, down in Sumter, South Carolina, we got Dumar Pete. How's it going? Wow, and Blair. <laughs> and uh, down in Florida, we got by himself the man, the myth, the legend, Tylus Andrew Larson. My tie is here. I just threw it over there a little bit ago so I could get it and put it back on if it would make you guys feel better. All right. Well, we Dude, are like back. if you didn't if you didn't already have a good headshot i would say take a headshot right now yeah. and you can be the like professional consultant headshot it's it's perfect I've, right now i've got a window open right here and it's a little bit of like an overcast day and i think it's just perfect the perfect weather. light coming in yeah. the window you know what else you is open your shirt collar my, my shirt collar because there ain't no tie <laughs> nice nice well it's good to be with you guys. Tim is out on assignment, having lunch with his family. <laughs> but uh, we are we are here together for the first time since we were all together at the Partly Pastoring Conference. Um, I would love. Uh, we're going to talk more about the specific details about the conference that we loved and stuff like that. But as a reflection, but but really quickly, how how you guys recovered? Are you were you glad to be back in your beds? Uh, t- tell me, how's it been since the conference? Well, you know, originally we had all planned on going to Disney the day after the conference. And I just want to go ahead and put it out there. I'm very glad that we did it, fellas. It's nothing against Disney, but I was dead. That would have been terrible. And I oh love Disney more gosh. than more than most people. And I'm not saying I love Disney more than most people love Disney. I'm saying I love Disney more than I love most humans. And I would not have done well you at want, Disney on Thursday. You want to see a counselor about that. It's a little yeah. much. And you're a pastor. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> Jeff? Uh, yeah, I was. I, so I, I couldn't sleep because my wife is like was like at Disney. So I was away from her. Right. So I couldn't I didn't fall asleep. Great. So the night after the um, meat sweats um, at the last night we were together, I got up. I drove to Lakeland, which is like an hour and a half away, saw a guy that moved down there from where I am, did some other stuff, didn't get to bed till like two in the morning on Friday. Andrew showed up to pick me up at 530 to take me to the airport. So I was running on like three hours of sleep, got on the plane. Well, I was early to the airport, like an hour, but I got breakfast, got on the plane, did the thing where you like fall asleep. And I, <laughs> I it was embarrassing. I woke up to like everybody else in my row like being like hey dude do you have any trash because i had taken you know i they give you a drink i had taken a drink and i took in like one sip out of it and it was sitting on my tray and i fell asleep by the time i woke up we were landing and so the like annoyed stewardess was like sir you got to give me your garbage so i like woke up in a stupor chugged what i could of the coke that i wanted and then handed it to her so i got off the plane uh, a lady from my church picked me up took me out to lunch and by the time I got home, it was like I didn't know what hour it was or day it was. I was so tired. So I fell asleep. And then like on Saturday, I don't remember what happened Saturday, but I was just at home all day. And then I went to bed really late again because I couldn't sleep, even though I was super tired. And then I got up and did church on Sunday, which thankfully went pretty good. And then uh, yesterday, I pretty much I slept all afternoon, kind of like in and out of napping. 
And then today I woke up and felt like a normal person. So I've been adulting. But it was weird. Can't imagine so having kids stuff, hanging all over me. All the stuff that Jeff said about being tired, except for uh, I, I came home after the conference and immediately like went to family life. And then Thursday morning, one of my kids got sick and I was preaching Sunday, as was Jeff. But so I was uh, trying to get a sermon finished and all that stuff done while also having a sick kid in my office because for the first time in the past 11 years, my wife is now working full time, which means if there's a sick kid, it is now my problem instead of my wife's. And so then um, he was better. We all was going well. And I picked Jeff Jeff up at 530 in the morning, but that meant I had to leave my house at 430 in the morning when I agreed to pick Jeff, when I agreed to pick Jeff up, I thought he, his like in-laws were up by Lakeview. I didn't realize it was a, might as well be Ocala that his family lived in, but that's okay. So, Not quite, but it is far. So then I was like, this is great. Like once I get Jeff dropped off at the airport, I'll get home, get my kids to school. And then it's just me for like seven hours chilling by myself. And my wife texted us as we were getting to the parkway, uh, the, the tollway that now two of my boys are throwing up. And so all day Friday I had two kids throwing up and I was full on daddy dutying uh, while exhaustified, but that's what you do when you're part of the world famous practically pastoring podcast. Dude, sometimes you have to you have to wear multiple hats. Andrew, how did yeah. you handle the you have a sick kid curveball after you already in your head had your day planned out? Because that makes me go into like uh, like anger. Uh, I immediately used it as a sermon illustration nice. because we had. We went from uh, Mark chapter four, you know, where Jesus is calming the storm. And then Mark chapter five is the uh, Jesus casting out the legion inside the naked dude. And so um, it was this idea that, you know, Jesus was just trying to get some sleep. His nap was interrupted on the boat. He's exhausted. And as soon as the boat lands, there he is uh, with another task that he has to deal with right away. So I think I think I interrupted your nap with a text the other day. Did I not? Uh, probably with a short video about, about <laughs> not sitting. <laughs> I will tell you this when I am trying to nap, if this group's texts start going, I'll wake up. There'll be like 50 messages. Oh, I put that it I on miss. mute all the time. I'm telling you. Yeah. No, it's no I mute our group on a regular yeah. basis. hundred percent. Well, I will tell you. So we were coming home from practically pastoring and we managed to get stopped by a cop. So <laughs> for the second the time, way- for real. Yeah, we got stopped on the way back home too. Dog, so, talk to Brad. He's gonna get his license revoked. Yeah, like straight up, we got a speeding ticket on the way there, and on the way back, while we're still in Florida, the uh, a cop stops us again. He's like, "I wasn't even speeding," and turns out he has like a new car, newer to him car, and the tags when he ran them came back like they weren't registered, so they thought it was a stolen car. So uh, we were able to be like, uh, we're this is a jit how car. Well, hey, how well do you know Brent though? <laughs> Evidently not <laughs> enough. <laughs> but then we got, we ended up getting home, and when I got home, my dad was like, "Hey," because um, they had our kids out of town at the beach, and they were like, "We need, why don't you come to the beach?" So we packed up. <laughs> and then drove to the beach, and then came home how, Saturday how night. Far is that? Uh, about two hours from here. Then oh. stay, yeah, it wasn't too bad. But then, so then Sunday came. So I'm, I think tomorrow I will hopefully feel like you feel today, Jeff. That's kind of my, my prognosis. 
Overall, I think uh, the conference was very tiring. It was like a lot of late nights and early mornings, and now we are back, getting back into the rhythm. I have to go back to the office tomorrow. Um, you know, you guys, we're, we're going back to real life. This is the this is the conference lull where like you go back from the high and you're immediately dropped because you have angry emails of something you haven't dealt with or whatever. So we're back. Um, but hey, before we talk about clergy cliff note. Something happened literally on the last day of our conference, the evening of our of the last day of our conference. We were out to dinner when this happened. Um, officially, Russia has invaded Ukraine, and um, it's uh, Andrew said this before the show started. It's the it's the biggest thing on the news right now, right? It's it's what everyone's talking about, and uh, it, it feels a little inappropriate if we just ignored it, like if we didn't talk about it. But um, I, I I found an article uh, from a guy who is Russian and his wife is Ukrainian and they're um, pastors in Alabama um, at a, at a Presbyterian church. And they talk about how you can pray for Ukraine. And there's this beautiful conversation about how, when he married his wife, um, he not only married into his family, but he married into the country, into the culture. And that was really, really interesting. And then he goes on to say some really practical ways that he's heard from both their families of how you can pray for Ukraine. But um, really briefly, before we dive into Clergy Cliff Notes, is there anything that from your from the past week or so, as you've been talking to your congregants, seeing their posts on social media, uh, any pastoral conversations about this topic other than the fact that we should be praying for uh, what's happening in the Ukraine? Well, I know yesterday we took a few minutes and just in our service prayed for everything and just kind of encouraged. And I know that you guys have seen this, too. There's so much propaganda out there right now. Like so much. I saw a photo of soldiers laying on the ground and the, the caption says captured Russian soldiers. And then like five posts later, there was the same picture and it said captured Ukrainian soldiers. So like, I think pastorally, you just got to cut up a lot of that stuff that we've been talking about with the elections and everything and all and like a plot copy and paste to world affairs now, because everyone's going to have an opinion and they're all, there's so much propaganda. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I haven't had any specific conversations outside of the, you know, what you've been seeing everybody post about praying for Ukraine, other than just trying to um, connect my people to, you know, a more personal, um, th there was a couple uh, international workers that uh, are related to somebody in our church that she sent a, you know, she sent an update, like how you can pray. And then we did the same thing, Dal, we spent some time in prayer. We used a prayer I, I saw somebody else share uh, from this website called 24-7 Prayer, which actually was really good. Uh, so we used that. It was a call and response kind of thing. And then we just spent a, a long period of time in the service, probably like 10 minutes uh, of the service just in prayer, um, something like that. And so, um, I, you know, I the propaganda thing is always going to kind of be there. So I'm, you know, kind of watching for that. But I haven't noticed. Nobody's asked me any specific questions. Um, other than, you know, the normal stuff they're worried about. I'll say the thing I was, I, I was a little bit in tears on Saturday night before, maybe it was early Sunday morning. I saw a post, uh, you guys know the song, he will hold me fast. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a video of some Ukrainian Christians singing that. And what got me was that they were kind of sitting in their house around a table and there was a baby that looked to be about the same age as the little one that I have. Uh, mm -hmm. and the baby was like smiling at everybody and he was doing that thing that, babies that age do where they like pound their hands on the table, you know? 
And uh, so that it just really hit home that like these are, you know, this is like people with kids, and families yeah. and stuff. So, yeah, for me, I, I, I you know, seeing how people are praying and responding, nothing crazy is happening. I am looking for the the disinformation thing is really complicated and hard, but um, I have personal conviction thing. Uh, I there was this meme going around um, that mm-hmm. about World War Three and like. Russia and Ukraine. And I thought it was funny. It was church related meme or whatever. So I shared it and like it went viral. Like there was like uh, everyone everyone I knew was sharing it. And I thought it was funny. Um but then I had a friend who is in Prague, a missionary who's in Prague, which is the Czech Republic, which is right next to Ukraine, um reached out to me and he just said, "Hey, this seems a little insensitive with what's going on right now." And I think the meme came out like Wednesday morning or Wednesday during the day and then um and then they they you know went into Ukraine Wednesday evening, and so I I don't know I felt really uncomfortable. I realized like when he when this is one of my missionaries in my church uh, said, "Hey, this feels insensitive." I immediately wrote back. I said, "Hey, I'm sorry. You're right. This is probably really insensitive to make jokes about Russia and Ukraine in the midst of a war." I wanted to apologize, and uh, he was like totally cool. And then he sent me articles about like what we can really be doing just personally about it, and so. That's that's my story of what happened recently when it comes to this story. But anyways, Andrew, it seemed like you were trying to say something earlier. Think that you know it's it's crazy to think that you know you have you have pastors who are leaving their church Sunday morning and then picking up arms um, to defend their country. That is a crazy crazy thought. You know, from the their beauty queens, literally like someone who was like Miss Ukraine a couple years ago is enlisted. Uh, the Klitschko brothers, you're the heavyweight champions that are worth millions and millions of, of dollars. Um, I, I just don't think it's something that we as Americans quite understand. We're so isolated from the rest. You know, we don't, our borders touch Canada and Mexico. We're, we're not going to war with either of them anytime soon. And so I think it's kind of hard to put in perspective what, what it's like to be over, over there and to be in that situation. But Ukraine is actively preventing World War III by not accepting aid from yeah. any nation, any NATO nations, because the minute that soldiers on the ground from a NATO nation start getting involved, um, all the other NATO nations have no choice but to yeah, respond. Yeah, bound by treaty. So, yeah. so the Ukraine, by trying to take care of this themselves, are actively trying to forestall a uh, a worldwide war, which is incredibly honorable. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I know there's like a number, like I think it's in the th- hundreds of thousands. Maybe it's just maybe it's just thousands. I don't know exact number, but there's like a ton of Russians who are protesting in Russia. They're like, and, there's and videos pretty, of it. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to see that like um, the war is not even desired in their own country, which I'm sure is like reminiscent to like what happened with like the Vietnam War here in the states, but. Um, but it, it it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. So it's wild uh, that like the men men are getting conscripted right into the you know right into the military. Um, so it's pretty nuts. I I mean I know some I know some uh, like three or four families over there who are like my age. So that would mean like you know you could leave your house one day and not come back because you're in the military now. Mm-hmm. So if if we are attacked here in the states. Uh, there is the United States militia that every man under the age of 45 belongs to like by, by one act of Congress, we could all be called up. Should we be attacked? So I am very grateful to be the old man of this group 
so that when we do get attacked, you guys will have to go take up arms and I'll be uh, chilling at Denny's. We're going to take, uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to dive into um, what is it like when your son as a pastor uh, does things that can maybe make you look bad. So we'll, we'll come right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So for our clergy cliff note, we're going to talk about this YouTube video. There's this guy. He's like a YouTube commentator, but he's actually more than that. He's like, he's a musician. He's a rapper. And he he's kind of well-connected in the Christian hip-hop industry. He um, has uh, put out this video talking about Stephen Furtick's son. So Stephen Furtick's son, I think his name is Elijah Furtick. He... Um, He's been making music. I think he's known as making like beats, like rapping rap rap beats. But now he made his own made his own song and he put it out and he's promoting it. And so this guy named Ruslan um, saw this and specifically reached out to Stephen and Holly Furtick, his Stephen's wife, kind of telling him, "Hey, this kind of looks bad." He actually reached out to Elijah Furtick directly and got blocked by Elijah Furtick. Um, and so ultimately the, the, what, what makes this somewhat controversial is the fact that, um, this is Stephen Furtick's son and the music is a lot about like just bragging and boasting about, you know, his, how expensive his clothes are and the stuff he has that he also kind of points into like alcohol and gun culture and gang culture, talking about like shooting up people and, and uh, and so it's just kind of like it's kind of like I mean I can guarantee you what's happening. It's like this is a white kid from the suburbs talking about stuff he's music he's listening to. Um, whether he is involved in drinking or drugs, that, that's that's not for me to determine right now. But but it, it, the guy Ruslan, I believe sincerely wanted to ha- say, hey, this isn't a good look. You should like um, talk to your son or talk to him to put it down because of the fact. That Stephen Furtick is already kind of known, uh, kind of embroiled this idea because he's a he's a, an affluent mega church pastor. That if his son is talking about how rich he is, it kind of makes it makes Stephen look bad. But one conversation we had off off the show that I wanted to bring this up is like, you know, at the end of the day, if we were to boil down this whole conversation, take away the fact that this is Stephen Furtick's son, this is a conversation of someone seeing the son of another pastor and being critical of what that son does. And I think there's something that is very applicable to our conversation. So I wanted to t- turn the conversation to the rest of the guys here. What are your thoughts of Ruslan's video? Is it wrong? Is it right for him to call him out like this? It seemed like he tried to do the right thing, to talking to the dad, but it didn't work out or whatever. And then what's the bigger narrative here when it comes to our, you know, your children and the way they act versus how your role is as a pastor? I it, it rubbed me the wrong way, and I I don't know I don't uh, follow Ruslan's stuff. His you know name doesn't really mean a whole lot to me, but 
to say, oh, I reached out to his parents. Well, his parents have millions and millions of Instagram follows. How many, That's like saying, well, I, I DM'd Michael Jordan and he didn't reply, so I'm going to write this <laughs> slam piece about his son. I really, I, I, we should pull it up right now, see who has more Instagram followers, Michael Jordan or Stephen Furtick. I think it would be surprisingly close. Probably. And so to be, to be like, well, I reached out and they didn't reply back, so now whatever I say is fair game is a little bit ridiculous and disingenuous, I think, because – you know, you're you're not going through the church office. You're not going through their media person, and you're not another pastor being like, "Hey, you know, out of and, and not that only a pastor could call someone else out, but you have no relationship with this person, and so you're calling him out on a monetized YouTube channel. So you are making money off of attacking somebody else's son, and whether or not his behavior is sinful, sure, but you're still literally profiting after questioning somebody else's parenting and that will never not rub me the wrong way yeah i think i'm in i mean we said this in the group text but i basically just said i think i'm with andrew on this one although i will say as a caveat for andrew and i it is interesting that we are here critiquing a guy about critiquing someone else but like you said this is not monetized so that but, makes but it we're also <laughs> we're, we're critiquing an adult man who yes. is yeah, that's very different yeah. than a, and we're not critiquing him about who his family is. Yeah, we're, we're, that that's a different thing. I think some people, I, if we were critiquing Stephen Furtick, I'd say absolutely, let's have that conversation. But let's have a conversation about his teenage son. Yeah, that's weird. So basically, we can just table this conversation for two years and then rehab bring it back up. Well, I think to sure. me, to me, there's a principle that I do think that's part of it. But I also think, like, my take on this usually is, like, like who is Ruslan to say anything about this? Like, what do I care what he has to say when it comes to morality? Now, if he wants to critique it musically, you know, I mean, you're a rapper, so you have expertise. Yeah. Do you have teenage sons? I don't know if he does or not. So that's a factor. So, like, why? what do I care what you have to say about parenting? And the whole thing about, like, you know, I, I just... I just disagree with the whole idea that like we're supposed to, you know, pastors kids are at some standard where they can't make mistakes or do anything. I'm just, I'm not about it. And I I mean, honestly, I think he's out, he's out of place. I just don't think it's his place to to critique this. And to say you tried to private message somebody and then post the screenshots of the private message kind of removes it from, I sent them a private message. You know, it, it it becomes a thing where like, well, now it's not private anymore. You just like, wrote an. You basically just wrote an open letter and said, "I wrote them this private letter, but here it is, so you can see what I said and see what they did." And I don't need to know that he blocked you. So I am with you on the underage thing. My my biggest thing that was brought up is could Ruslan have had this conversation without slamming it into that the venue of what the kid said? Because one thing that he said that I thought was noteworthy was he said that his mother Holly was throwing it out on social media. Like, look at my son's song, you know? So like, this is a whole, it's a whole situation in the sense that it's not just a kid going off rogue, embarrassing his parents. It is seemingly endorsed. And I think there is, you know, I think we're, we're, we're mitigating two conversations here in, in a, you know, should he be using minors to get clicks? That's definitely feels great. And then like, how do you handle, when your child, I think this is a very practical thing for me because I'm not going to get paid to talk about someone else's kid, you know, but like, like practically if my son grows up and makes these decisions, like how do I 
as a parent respond to that. And I think there's, you know, we live in a culture now where if a kid makes a mistake, we celebrate it and say, oh, God has a purpose in it. And I do think that there is some, if that is true, that she, that Holly put it out there and was like, check out how awesome this is. I do think there is some discernment that can take place in that regard. Would you not agree? I agree. I just, yeah. I don't agree that it needs to be some random guy on YouTube. Like, but, and who are you to I, tell this guy's wife about her kid? And his, he's like, Ruslan, man. Yeah, that's. I mean, Ruslan. Part, part of it is that I'm an old man, and and he is completely irrelevant to me. So, like, well, he's I, also West Coast. So, like, you're, you're yeah, like, yeah, you're, you're. It's a totally different culture. I'm not in that world, Ruslan. Yeah, and there's a, and and I intentionally stay out of that world too. Yeah. So. so so where this kind of boils down to get closer to us, what's interesting is like there's a principle underneath what we're saying, uh, which is I think where the real conversation is, Frank. Like, but there, but but there is another thing here to this besides the conversation about like where do, you know how do we how do we disciple our children? What's the what's the you know what, what do we do in that situation? But like I I ended up going to Elijah Furtick's Instagram page to see like what were these video like what what was happening over there? And I did you DM that, him? No, I did not DM him. Uh, again, <laughs> what, 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 you know, you, one thing I thought after I shared this with you guys, one thing I realized is like I would not care about this conversation at all if Ruthson didn't bring it up. Like I wouldn't even know that Same. Stephen Furtick's son had rap music or whatever. Um, and I, I still don't like I don't necessarily care per se, like because w- it's not my son. Like that, that's something for his family to deal with, and also like his church. Which brings me to my point. I was in the comments. And I noticed that, like, I know some of the youth pastors over at Elevation Church, and I saw their their comments, like, su- supporting him, right? Mm. And I'm thinking through, like, okay, I could be the overly critical guy and be like, hey, youth pastors, you should be shutting this down. Like, he's saying crazy stuff. But at the same time, like, I've been a youth pastor to a kid. I don't know Elijah Furtick's, like, spiritual state or whatever. But, like, if there was a kid in my youth group, who was doing some creative in Denver, like like rap music, and he wasn't cussing, and he was just saying kind of like crazy stuff. I would be like, "Hey, hey, bro! Like great music." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I would, I would like love that kid, and then maybe later offline, especially offline, have a conversation with him and be like, "Hey, you know, you were talking about shooting up blocks. Like, what are you talking about? You know, like." But I don't know, like, uh, so so I want to make sure because I don't know they listen to my podcast. If you're one of those youth pastors in the comments of Elijah Furtick, I'm actually not criticizing you. I'm actually saying like I'd probably do the exact same thing you did in terms of just supporting this young man in his creative endeavors, even if it was a little bit problematic of the content. I would say though that like this kind of goes back to the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago with the pastor who talked about modesty on women and saying like, you know, women should wear bathing suits. It's like, it's not Ruslan's role to do this. What wh- Whoever's role this is, is maybe someone else. Like if Ruslan went to elevation and was friends with Stephen Furtick, be like, Hey, Hey Steven, you know, your son, like put up this album or the song. Like some of the music is a little bit inappropriate. I, maybe you don't know what these words means, like blicky and stuff like that. Like, can we explain it to you? I think that's way more appropriate than like, uh, I think the tension we're all feeling isn't so much another YouTube personality calling out a pastor because that's not actually what's happening. It's a YouTube personality going after a person who's not in ministry. It's a, it's a child. Who... But it's based, it's, I think it's based on a weird legalism we have towards pastors' kids. Yeah, like we can that. all agree that 17 yeah. year old boys are fools <laughs> yeah. in general. 
They're and cool. to brag and be like, yo, I was in this teenager that yeah. I don't know. I slid into his DMs. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Pump the brakes. Like start, that, yeah. start that sentence 17 over. 17 year old boys are foolish. That's just, it's a, it's a fact of life. 17 year old pastor's kids are foolish, except they live with a pastor. And like, I think there's an unfair expectation that pastor's kids are spiritually mature. We don't even know if this kid's, I mean, based on just this video, maybe he's not even a believer. He, yeah. he, right? Just because his dad is a pastor, that's not, that's fundamentally not how we as evangelicals think. That's not how our soteriology works. You're not grafted and in. Do you know how many t- PG 13 plus musical theater productions I have been to yeah. as a youth pastor trying to make a connection with those weird theater kids. Also, my wife is a weird theater kid, so it's cool. But you know, when you're, when you're fighting for a relationship, you, you go to the things you go to where yeah. they are. And so Holly Furtick saying, Hey, I'm proud of my son. You don't know what their relationship is. Yeah, right. You don't, you don't know what the tension has been in that family for the past, however many months. So for her to be like, Hey, look what my son is doing. I'm proud of you. You don't know the last time they had a deep conversation, but well, you're monetizing your criticism well, like, of a pastor's kid for clicks. And that it, drives me nuts. When it go, when it comes to spiritual maturity of teenage boys, Frank, you've played sports. You've been in huddles. You've been in locker rooms. I've been in yeah. baseball dugouts, not bastions of intelligent conversation. Right. You know what well, I'm no, and Jeff, like, I think it's important to realize like this is what you said was very true. 17 year old boys are 17 year old boys. Like even in our own community about three years ago, a lot of the wealthiest people in town, the doctors or whatever, their children got together who were between the ages of 16 and 18. They made a rap video where they were throwing hundred dollar bills into the swimming pool and then power bombing onto it. And, and like shooting, like it was, it was literally the same thing as this. And you should have watched the private schools trying to do PR control around here, damage control and everything because they were feeling it too. And I think what I saw, if I take it outside of the church world, you know, and just plop it down into like secular world, there was still um, there was a huge accountability arm going for the parents of these kids here in this town. Like, why you're letting these kids represent it this way? But I will tell you, there wasn't a blasting of the children themselves. So, you know, to that point, to that end, I do think that there is a weird legalism toward um, preachers kids because they expect them to act like regenerated people. Yeah. Like they just might yeah, not like be they're, right. Well, and even if they, even if they're a regenerated 17 year old boy, they're still foolish. 17. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so the, the other part about it is like, it's it just, I, where I struggle, where, where to me, this is a swing and a miss is also in the fact of like, what, let's say nothing in the video. I mean, we could debate, in if the things in the if he is sinning by doing what he's doing in the video right it's a debate some of us think yeah saying that stuff in a music video for sure is sinful some of us are like it's foolish but it's i don't know if it's sinful and that's where i am so let's say this just as a parent let's say you do somehow you know get a hold of steven steven furtick directly you you dm him and he dms you back and you start having a conversation and he tells you yeah i know what all those words mean i just don't think it's a big deal right yeah, what if he says that that's not a hill we're gonna die on in our family what if he Let says me tell you, do, yeah yeah do you know what people so, love unsolicited parenting advice oh they love it boy <laughs> do people like here's that you can give someone unsolicited fitness advice you can give somebody unsolicited marriage advice 
No problem. You give somebody unsolicited parenting advice. You're not friends oof, anymore. You are not friends anymore. So, so, you know, you can put on the face of, you know, oh, I'm trying to, you know, really look out for this kid. Baloney. Well, Bologna. here's the other part of it. When you, when you bring it into the, the pastor thing, right? If, let's say, in that conversation, in this made-up conversation, Ruslan asked Stephen Furtick, well, do your elders know about this? And he said, yeah, my elders all know about this. They're fine with it. They're on board with me. Well, does your church know about this? And he says, yeah, my church is totally fine with it. I'm fine with it. You know, it was a little foolish maybe, but I'm fine with it. Uh, my church is fine with it. At that point, where do you go, right? What you do is you don't go to his church. You don't sit under his leadership, and you don't have to watch his kids' YouTube videos. Like, you do— Right, you just don't like. You're not obligated. You're not. You don't have to say anything about it. You don't have to do any of it. To me, that's one of the. That's like one of the slaveries of our day, is we feel obligated just because somebody has a bunch of followers. We got to make commentary on it, and you just uh, don't. An- another example that I think you brought up a good point. It, there, the the legalism, the legalism <laughs> of of pastors' kids doesn't just apply to like um, underage kids either. Like I think a big conversation sure. right now has been John Piper's son, Abraham mm-hmm. Piper, right? You know, Barnabas Piper is like I think a, a pastor or a pastoral intern out in Nashville, but his other son, yep. Abraham Piper, is like TikTok famous. He's and he's like an entrepreneur, but he's like no, like his TikToks are about him not only deconstructing but like excommunicating himself yeah. from the faith. And his dad's John Piper. And well, like, and I think in his case, there's an ironic like he's using his dad's fame for sure. Sure, for sure. You know, and and, and you know, but I, does that reflect on John Piper? No, he's a grown man. So let me ask you this question with the three of you because I don't have any kids. Um, what do you do when people? And I would say they're legalists, but I want to hear your answer and your response to this. When people say, "But Frank, or but Jeff, or but Andrew Bordell." Um, uh, the Bible says that one of the requirements of an elder is to yep. be um, someone that, who manages his own home. And isn't there like, doesn't specifically say like their children must be believers or it, it, it's like some kind of phrasing about what their children should be or something. Yeah. How, how do you respond to that? Or how would you respond to that? Cast the first stone, baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I, 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 but I think just because someone asked you that question doesn't mean, first of all, if you can't say someone is a legalist and then like they're, you know, they're not people are not all one thing or the other. You could be funny. legalistic about one thing and not another thing. I'm for sure legalistic. You're right. I'm for sure. Well, I'm not trying to say it, you should apologize. I'm just saying Got I'm it. for sure legalistic about some things and not about other things. Right. There are some things that just make me uncomfortable. So I put moral things on them to make myself feel better sure. and other things I don't. So I think there's that issue. I think they're not wrong to say that there is stuff in in the scriptures about requirements of an elder with this. I just think that you have to be wise. There's no age limit in there. So is it talking about little kids? I mean, I just think when you look at all the other requirements, an elder is someone who you look at as a person. I want to follow their life as a Christian. They're a model of spiritual maturity. Their relationship with their kids is healthy. Their relationship with their wife is healthy. They're not, you know, they don't have family members that are kids in, People in their household that are prone to debauchery, I think, is part of the language. Um, and, of course, I have to mention this. They shouldn't be pugnacious. Um, and so, you know, I think when it comes to what you're asking, Frank, I think it could be a valid conversation. Yeah. I'm not saying nobody should ask these questions. 
I'm saying it shouldn't come from a random person on YouTube who doesn't have a relationship. Because I know he doesn't have a relationship because he said, I have no relationship. I tried to reach out. They didn't respond. So my next resp- my next action was to escalate this to a public thing, which is for sure not the heart of Matthew 18, which I don't think really applies here. But if it did, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't just say I reached out in the DMs. They didn't respond. So therefore, I'm obligated to make this public video about somebody I don't know. Yeah. You might say it's not Matthew 18, but it is Ruslan 1-1. Get clicks. Hey. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, you know, okay, so I've got – I pulled it up. I mean, look at the list of requirements. He's never coming on this podcast. <laughs> I would love to have Ruslan on this podcast, you know. Um, I don't know if he would like to come, but I Do think – Do you think he'd like my get clicks joke? Because oh, it was kind know. of mean. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, should, I should be kinder. Sometimes hey, I try to be funny, and it just Andrew, comes across as mean. Andrew, like last time you were really like – um gun like really like die hard of making fun of someone you made fun of sunday cool for their book and i believe you said it recently you're like the more i get to know them the more i regret making fun of their book <laughs> probably like, true like i was i was trying right, to be right. funny i was trying to, to but no like the more i'm around them, like dang those guys are so nice yeah but and but andrew it, do you see how you repented that's what we yes. want out of an elder. Now, yeah. Dell, give us the list. Yeah, okay. So the list is huge. I mean, have y'all looked at the qualifications lately? I mean, it's quite long. Like, blameless as a steward of God, above reproach. Okay. Faithful husband to his wife, temperate, sober. I mean, it goes on and on. It does say in here, rules his own house well. His children are faithful, not accused of rebellion to God. That's important. And holds firmly to the message he's been taught and that he teaches it to his family. And 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 you go on and on. The list is, I think that's a necessary list because it does hold us to accountable. Scripture also teaches we shouldn't seek to be teachers because if we are, guess what we're held to? Higher accountability. And that's not necessarily about when we die, right? That's literally what's happening here to Stephen. Like, like the people are going to look at you and be like, hey, you're a quote moral leader. But, you know, when it comes to like raising your children well, and this is where, uh, admittedly, I would, I, I would even jump in the word and, and do some more context studying and word studying. But like we are told, if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter six, the Shema, which is the found, you know, the foundational for this, right? It says, "What do you do with God's word? You you write it on the doorpost of your house. You teach it to your children. Being a good parent." is about modeling Christ-like behavior to them. It is about modeling Christ-like standards to them. It is not to use Andrew's talk from Practically Pastoring Conference. It is not about the fruitfulness. It's about the faithfulness, right? Because I can't make my children produce fruit, right? But I can be a faithful parent to my child. And in that regard, I think that, you know, your, your children can be under faithful leadership even if they are in rebellion right um this is this is comes down to like talking about the uh, take it out of the children thing okay take it out of there put it into uh into marriage right which this is a we are going to have a podcast on marriage and divorce here in the future we talked about that but you know um the being a, a man of one wife in in the sense of the man not being unfaithful to his wife, right? But then you have an, an elder or someone older whose wife cheats on him or who abandons and leaves him while he was trying to be faithful. She says she's rejected the faith. She never was in it. Like, I'm sorry, we can make this black and white 
And what you said was true, Jeff. I could pick and choose any one of these and hunker down and become the moral agent on them. But it's interesting which ones we loosen and which one we tighten up to fit our own denominational or our own preferential needs. You know, my concern, like I said, has always has always been, okay, I would like and 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 I don't deserve it. Okay, I am not a congregant of his church. I have no authority at his church. I wouldn't get a vote if that church ever had a vote, but it would be encouraging for his congregation to see him um, putting forth, showing that he's pastoring. And I w- I'll, be, I'll be honest, after you sent me the clip, Frank, I went on YouTube and I started like Googling or YouTubing videos of Furtick and his son, you know, because he pulls his son up on stage and does sermon like he, he pulls his children on stage and uses them as object lessons, you know? So this, this isn't a kid who's never been in the limelight, but it would be good to just to know that Deuteronomy six, like if you're disciplining your kid, um, how public should that be? That that's a conversation to have, you know, like if your kid does something sinful in public, when you discipline him, I don't think that has to be public, Right. But I think there should be a conversation that's being had. And I think that was the concern Ruslan was bringing up, what he was trying to convey, whether his means were good or not. Like, was, is anyone having a conversation with this kid? Is his parent even having a conversation? And I think that is a question that should probably doesn't need to be handled from 3,000 miles away on the other right. coast. Right. That, it's a valid question, but who are you to ask that question? Yes, you exactly. Don't know? Like my congregation has every single right to ask me this. Like every Sunday when I go pick up my kids from from the kids ministry, the first thing I ask is how how was my kid today? You know, were they well behaved? If not, they need to tell me and they need to know as a father that I'm going to handle be, business. Not because you're a pastor. No, because I'm a dad. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you know? Bedell, I did hear that one of your children's ministry persons said that your son was um, rapping about shooting up the block. And uh, <laughs> your, your son was uh, throwing mon- money into a pool. That song is the jam, in. bro. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a bop. <laughs> I, I will I will say this, and uh, this is something that I you know in my years of youth ministry, as I've directly cared for pastors' kids, I sometimes think. I mean, it's probably like I'm I'm hoping that Stephen has the kind of conversations that I know a lot of youth pastors a lot a lot of pastors have with their kids like hey i'm going to bring you up in my sermon is that okay or is it okay if i share these stories or whatever but um imagine being stephen furtick stephen furtick's son and seeing the articles on youtube the videos yeah. on youtube of them just slamming his dad all the time like that not only can cause good. you to want to walk away from the faith or be embittered by it like i mean that that I, that's super hard like i can't imagine um uh, what that would be like, knowing also that like your dad, assuming all things are positive, that your dad is faithfully trying to love his people and trying to do good things. Like from his perspective, he's probably thinking like, why does the entire internet hate my dad? So when Ruslan does sign into his DMs, he's probably thinking, oh, this is just another guy. Now he's just going to me about it, right? Like that would be that would be incredibly hard. I, I think um, there's I think there's charity missing from posting a video like that too, right? The principle of charity, like. The guy claims he's a Christian. We can agree or disagree about some of the things he teaches, but it seems like he's living, at least in some way, he's following Jesus, right? So I should, my presumption should be that he's doing all the things that I would do as a parent. 
that that would be the charitable way to think about Stephen Furtick as a father. I would do this if I had a teenage son. I'm a Christian man. I'm following Jesus. I'm assuming that he's doing the same. I'm going to give him the charity. Man, his kid put out a wild video. What would I do? He's probably talking to him behind the scenes. Move on. Like, to me, that's that's the response. But like you said, Andrew, we live in a world where, you know, you, you can say things like this and post things like this on a monetized YouTube channel, and it's part of how you make a living. And it just, I mean, that that's the part of it that's a big swing and a miss for me. All things considered, um, yeah, he talked about some really bad stuff. <laughs> he could talk about some really worse stuff, too. Like, it was, sure. it was it was a pretty PG-13 uh, song, All Things Considered. Hey, um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about um, some of our favorite things from the conference. Hey, we're back, and uh, I just wanted to kind of do a quick reflection of the conference. The last episode was a live conference, and I want to apologize for the sound quality. Uh, it know, was it, fine. It sounded like it was a live show, Frank. We were okay. in a room. We did. We were not in front of microphones like we are right now. It yep. was fine. Well, now this this podcast sounds great, and so I want to talk about. Hey, what was some of the your best favorite parts of the conference? What are the things that you really took from it? What are the things that we hope we can get from it next year? I will say we surveyed everybody uh, from the conference and. It was nothing but positive stuff, man. People were really like – I mean there was some critique, and but the critique was stuff that we've already thought about, right? So it was a very positive, and it, it, what that tells us is that we got to do it again. We're going to do it again. So wait, Absolutely. what were some of your favorite parts, best parts of the conference? Matt Sheen. Dude, if, you, Matt, if you're listening, yeah. you crushed – your your session that you did like I, I'm, I'm sitting here at the conference like oh i'm helping put on a conference next thing i know i'm like oh i'm getting destroyed at this conference um it was it was really good i really enjoyed uh the pictures going around of andrew uh those are really nice uh if, if you are a my feelings of, hurt it's okay if you are a member if you're not a member of photoshop my pastor you need i didn't photoshop my pastor they delivered so, but uh, but regardless, I think to me the huge win. I love the networking. There was such a variety of human being to network with at this conference. We had people from where California, Texas, Delaware, um, you know, obviously the central. St- I mean, we had a it was a good spread of people. So the ideas that were sh- shared, they weren't like centralized to different parts of the country. They were. I I learned a lot from a lot of people. Me being in a multi-site situation, there was some really good conversations that we were able to have about that as well. Uh, also, the late night options. Yo, I, give it up. Tim is not here, but Tim. Your elder, he needs a hug from everyone because uh, the late night options where we were able to sit around and talk about ministry um, and do that were were fantastic. They really were. It it was it was neat seeing different people from different spheres of ministry. You know, uh, Tim, Frank, and I kind of made names in in one world and then stepped into another, and so it was neat to see those worlds colliding. That was really exciting, and boy, was it great that it worked. I mean, I think all of our fears going in were, were, dear Lord Jesus, is this thing going to work as much as we hope it does? And it did. And that was spectacular. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, we had some fun. There was a failure in shark fishing. That was really funny. Um, there was um, uh, some, I mean, we there were some really fun, silly games that we were able to see people's personalities and stuff. Um, we had a long lunch on Tuesday. That was really fun. I got to go see the spa in uh, Safety Harbor. That that was a fun. That was a fun, but a little bit stressful for me because we were going to be late, and uh, but it all worked out. Um, uh, yeah, Matt Steen killed it. He does, he he did a really good job. Um, yeah, I mean the we had a we had a fun dinner catered by Sunday Cool, and uh, our buddy Andy is a chef. Okay, but can we talk about the the jalapeno cornbread? Like oh. the the meat was spectacular. Yes. but you know, but good smoked meat is good smoked meat. You know the the difference between an A plus and an A minus is not something I could probably figure out on my own when it comes to that. But that cornbread might be the best thing I've ever eaten in my entire life. Would you say Legit. that um, Sunday Cool has been redeemed in your eyes, Andrew? They they were always redeemed in my eyes. <laughs> I was, I was making time. a joke. I was being silly. <laughs> but but I did, I did tell my wife, like I kind of what I was telling Frank, like, I told my wife, like, they're just so nice. And they are very nice people. The, yeah. And they, they genuinely were like, what can we do to help your ministry succeed? And then you add that cornbread on top, and my goodness! <laughs> if you're uh, for me, it was the, it was the uh, cornbread and and cinnamon sugar butter combo. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what it was. Oh, if you're man. if you're listening and you don't know what we're teasing Andrew about, um, uh, something cool came out with a book called uh, the gospel. It's called the Gospel According to Gen Z or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Or is the it's like a Gen Z devotional, and it was just a silly thing that they like translated like a verse or two into a Gen Z slang. And then there was like the ESV next to it, and then there was like it a was a verse or two day. per. Day. It was a verse or two per day, so it yeah, was a thirty yeah, yeah. day devotional with you know verses per day, and, and, and the, the people at that. Lifeway pulled it off the shelf in a day. Yeah, and uh, and so there was a you know it was a big. They ended up being able to kind of put it out self published. But Andrew got a copy of it, and he called it a coaster. <laughs> he said, "He said it's only good for a coaster." And uh, and he was being to be silly. fair, I I compared it to an Andy Stanley book and Louis Giglio book that I have like next to my computer in my office that of that type of book. Like it it was a it's a short one verse and then a paragraph devotional. It was it was not meant to be deep theology, but. <laughs> Again, I was also – I always say my defense is always when Tim and I are, are debating our stuff, one of us has to be Stephen A. Smith. Otherwise, it's not fun to watch. You know, If we all had the same opinion, what fun is that? So someone has to be re, have the ridiculous opinion every now and then, and it was my turn. Well, what's even funnier is on, the, on your it, other podcast. And it was funny. It was, it was funny. It was mean, but it was funny. <laughs> You 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 invited the guys onto the onto your show and doubled down on it, and I thought that was that was incredible. Like, you you had them on your show and you still went with it, and now they've been part of our conference. It was they were they're great dudes. They they provided super great shirts for us, and uh, it was good. We had amazing sponsors. Hey, Simpson, I was about to say, can we just shout out the sponsors because the sponsors delivered for this thing, man? Like. Yeah, Crossway yeah. ESV, like they delivered, man. Yeah, I got to yeah. get that ESV code because I don't have it and I need it. Yeah, yeah. So Crossway gave us uh, two books as well as a code to get a year access to the ESV.org 
plus commentary Bible set. I mean, it's just, it's super generous. Moody Publishers gave us a copy of Eight Hours or Less, which is a great book. Um, uh, Orange gave us some stuff. DYM gave us some stuff. Um, Sydney Cole gave us uh, our shirts. Uh, and uh, the uh, uh, Tim's Church uh, gave us jackets, which was great. Um, a meme page gave you a devotion, uh, a prayer journal. Oh, yes. Just, a, a meme page. It's great. It's great. That same meme page posted in one of my sermons from like a year ago. And I got like 30 new followers for no reason because of that. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it's it, it was such a fun time. Um, I think uh, there were some really funny moments. We played this game called um, Defend It. Where we where we had like people defending um, different silly bits or whatever. I, I don't remember exactly what it was like. Um, it was like it was like who who would you have as your children's person, uh, John MacArthur or John Piper? And and there was a, a kid in our in, uh, who I call him a kid. He's he's a young adult. He's a college student who was just like very dogmatic about like. He's gonna preach the gospel and like it was like taking it really really far and it was really really funny. Um, oh, there was one. It was Michael Jordan versus LeBron. Who's going to uh, give a better sermon? And that was we were talking about was, who's preaching the suffering of Christ in that one. And I was like, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. you missed. I think we missed the point here. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. But uh, there was it was a good crowd. Uh, w- let, let's talk about this because when we when we went out to dinner and um, and. Ate a lot of meat because we went to a Brazilian steakhouse. Uh, we talked about what we hope for next year. What are don't, without giving out spoilers of like some of the big ideas we already have? What are you hoping for for next year? There were so many big ideas. I'm what? hoping for a, a few dozen more people. That'd be exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought the crowd I mean, was a good size. I mean, I, I mean, multiple I, oh, I thought it was great. Multiple we, we times could have been a, week. We, we could have been doubled that and still had the vibe we had. I think. Yeah, there was multiple times where we kept saying, I can't believe there's people here for a conference that was put up by a guy. Yeah, I can't believe this many people showed up based on us talking into microphones people for an hour on Monday. On airplanes. You know what I'm looking for? Across the country. You know what I'm looking forward to? Um, we didn't have it this year because we've never done it before. I'm really looking for the community that's going to be going on before the conference next year because we have mm-hmm. all these people who now know the value of it and they've been messaging yeah. and dropping stuff in the groups all week. So they see it now. So I'm really encouraged to see how that community continues to develop. I'm, I'm looking forward to like even more diverse group of pastors kind of getting pulled in based on that. Like, you know, yeah. people who know friends in their city who are pastors of other, maybe different denominations or, or streams within the church yeah. being interested to come because of the kind of camaraderie that people walked away with. The, the, the one thing that we talked about at the dinner when we were playing for next year uh, in review was um, I would say like, it was almost 50, 50 youth pastors and senior pastors and one thing we talked about was like dividing it into different groups, like having like tracks, if you will, like a youth pastor track and a senior pastor track. And I think that's going to be cool to have way more nuanced conversations when we have these like big discussion times. So, so like the senior pastors aren't bored with the youth ministry talk and the youth pastors aren't bored with like budgets and spreadsheet talks from our executive pastor friends. So I, I'm excited about that. I think there's a lot of possibility there when we have the tracks uh, for youth ministry and, and, and senior ministry. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm I'm also excited about the other options that we were kicking around. I think there's going to be a lot um the options that we had this this year during our non-session times, I really like them. I yeah. loved some of the feedback that we got from this group about some of the future options. They were so creative and they're so doable that we're our, even our our um off conference hours are going to be amplified. That's one of the things I loved about having a, a conference as such where we allow the people to speak back into the conference because they're, yeah. they're seeing it from a perspective that's really going to enhance what I felt already was a great time. Right. The only problem is, is that next year we're going to have to have like an 18 day conference. It's going to be like the world's fair to get in all the stuff we want to do. For real. You know, or yeah. it'll be like a, a festival, a festival. You got to choose which band is playing at which stage at which time. Because there's just going to be no way you can catch it all if we get to do all the things that we want to do over the next couple of years, which is a very, yeah. very good problem to have. And and, and I don't want to, and I know y'all wouldn't do this, but Frank and Andrew, you, you did really good on y'all's sessions, man. Like, I think y'all really, uh, Frank, your tone that you said in there about being authentic. And then you start just sharing with a whole group of people stuff that we didn't even know. And I'm like, sure. bruh, come on. But I thought that was sure. good. And and then uh, Andrew, what you, what you sent us home with, Man, you, you knocked it out of the park. And I think no matter where you were in whatever season of ministry you're in, uh, that was very thought through and very intentional. So uh, the content was already good. And I just I can't see it going anywhere but 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 better. That's good. I uh, One one last thing uh, for the people who went to the conference this past year and people who are coming next year. Um, we are thinking about some special ways to involve spouses. And uh, uh, like almost maybe like a trek for um, pastors' wives uh, might be a possibility. Uh, we have some idea f- for pastor spouses. Um, we're still we're gonna brew it up some more. We got some exciting things, things that involve them with the conference, and things for them to do their own thing while we do. It, it's some exciting stuff we can plan. So, anyways, uh, with that being said, uh, we're gonna wrap up the show. Uh, if you have enjoyed the show, please make sure you give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, make sure you're subscribed if you haven't done so. Share with a friend. Join us on on Instagram and on Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Uh, I think now with the conference, it's only going to get more interactive um, because now we. I mean, we, we we have a private Facebook group for just the folks who went to the conference, and it's pretty active. In the week and a half, it's been live, so uh, it's been pretty great. So hopefully that transfers over to our to our big group. Um, yeah, and we'll be right back here, hopefully with Tim next week. So with that being said, I'm Frank Gill. I'm Jeff Simpson. I'm Demar Pete. I'm Andrew Larson. And Timothy Miller is not here. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group, where we get to share ideas and make each other better.